Hello and welcome to church. This is the Lighthouse Digital Church. We're so glad you could make it today. Before we proceed, this is a recap from last Sunday. Stay with us. The one who is seated beside the Father, who is speaking the language of righteousness, is the one who is your advocate. But what is he saying, talking to the Father about? He's saying, this one is righteous because he is in me. This one is righteous because he is in me. This one is righteous because she is in me. That is the message. That's the conversation that Christ will be saying on your behalf. Praise God forevermore. So Jesus Christ is the righteous one. That's what the Bible says. So because you have the righteous one now representing you before the Father, you can come boldly to the throne room of grace and receive mercy to help in time of need. Now, here is today's message. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning. My name is Davis Bamingoy, and I'm so delighted to be ministering to you today in the Word of God. Let us pray. Wonderful Father, we just want to thank you for the ability to gather together across space and time to share the immutable Word of God that never changes. The words engineered to help us, to encourage us, to bless us. Do wonders in the midst of your people today in the name of Jesus. Let your name be glorified. May there be a manifestation of your power across space and time, wherever people are seated today to listen, to watch, to be part of this service in the name of Jesus. Let your words flow freely out of my mouth to bless your people, to encourage them, to know Almighty God that you see them righteous and holy the way you see your son, Jesus Christ. Let the name of Jesus Christ be glorified today and let your name, Father Almighty God, be lifted up among us. Wonderful Holy Spirit, do that which you alone is able to do. Thank you so much for what you've done. In Jesus' name, we pray. All right, I just want to say thank you very much for joining us again to today's service. I'm so excited to share with you what the Lord has laid in my heart to share with you today. Over the past couple of weeks, we have been looking at a, a series or a, a series of messages titled The Power of His Presence. And essentially, we're looking at the Ark of the Covenant representing the presence of God Himself. In the book of Joshua, chapter 3, uh, in verse 5, I believe, that we have been looking to, sorry, verses 1 to 4, Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, that we have been look, looking at for a couple of weeks. One of the things that we Came out, that came out of that was the presence of the Ark of the Covenant that the children of Israel had to follow as they were moving their way towards Jordan. And on the screen, you might read it, you might see it flash on the screen, but I'm going to read what Joshua chapter 3 verses 1 to 4 says. Joshua chapter 3 verses 1 to 4 reads, Joshua got up early in the morning, then he and all the children of Israel set out from Shittim and came to Jordan. And they spent the night there before they crossed the river. They spent the night at Shittim before they crossed the Jordan. And it happened at the end of three days that the officers went throughout the camp and they commanded the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from where you are and follow it. However, there shall be a distance of about 2,000 cubits or 3,000 feet by measurement. Do not come near the Ark of the Covenant. Why? So that you may be able to see the Ark and know the way you are to go. 
for you have not passed this way before. Every single time I read this text, I just kept getting some new information. You know, when I read the text just now, what the Lord shared with me really is about the fact that the, the level of excitement, uncertainty on the one hand, excitement on the other, that is in the camp, that was in the camp rather. These people came to Shittim and they spent the night before they crossed the Jordan. Have you been in a position in your life where you are at the threshold of a new change happening in your life? You are at the cusp of a new beginning happening in your life. How do you feel when you have been asked to do a job that you haven't done before? Imagine that something that you have prayed for all your life. You say, God, give me this. God, give me that. And the thing is about to be handed to you now. What kind of feelings will be going through your body as you, as you wait to lay hold or embrace the new change in your life for some of us we're going to transition you know it might be transition from being a mother to be a grandmother it might be transition from being a student now to be a worker it might be a transition from being um, a, a tenant to now becoming a homeowner it might be a transition from being someone who's jobless now be, becoming somebody who's got a job it might be transition from being an employee to becoming an employer whatever transition that you are about to go through today's message will help you to begin to know how god expects you to prepare to lay hold and go through that transition praise god forevermore so when we look at this text joshua chapter 3 verses 1 to 4 there is a verse in verse 3 which is the primary verse we have been hammering on and the verse says and they commanded the people these are the officers of the of the camp or commanded the people say saying when you see the ark of the covenant of the lord your god being carried by the levitical priests you shall set out from where you are and follow it why so that you may know where to go you may know where to go because you haven't gone this pathway before the earlier transitions that I mentioned about changing transitions in life is synonymous to going the pathway that you haven't gone before. You haven't been a mother before. You haven't been a father before. You haven't been a, a student before. You haven't been an employer before. You used to be an employee, but now God is taking you to become an employer. You haven't done that before. And therefore, the night before the transition happens, there is something going on in your body. Your emotions might be going up and down. You are not sure what is going to happen tomorrow but God is at God has a word for you today from this message that will encourage you on the journey of life that will encourage you on the pathway to the transition that you are about to take praise God so it is the act of the covenant the presence of Jehovah himself that makes a difference God is asking to tell you that even as you go through this transition I am with you even as you go through this other transition, I am with you. God says to, for me to tell you not to be afraid. He says in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never, never release my hold upon your life. God is sending me to tell you the same word that as you go through this transition, you may be afraid. It is natural for you to be fearful and afraid for the things that you haven't done before. But the word of the Lord to you today is, child, don't be afraid. Child, fear not, for I am with you 
you and I will never lose my hold on you. I will never let you go. I will never abandon you. No, not on your life. Praise God forevermore. So the Ark of the Covenant that the people, that the priests carried right now represented the presence of God. We have looked at the mercy seat last week, which we came to the conclusion that the mercy seat in light of the life of the believer represented Jesus Christ as the mercy seat. Jesus Christ is become the propitiation for the sins of the world, which means when we come to Jesus, we have come to a place where the issue of sin has been dealt with once and for all. God expects us now, now that we know that our sins have been forgiven, God expects us to behave or to carry ourselves in a way that is synonymous to who we now claim to be. If I am a child of God and I believe that I'm a child of God, God expects me to carry a consciousness of being a saint. God expects me to carry a consciousness of being a holy child of God so that my behaviors can can align with what I profess or what I claim to be. Praise God forevermore. So last week we looked at the Jesus Christ being the mercy seat. Today we want to look at an, an item on top of the Ark of the Covenant that is symbolic for us even in this day and age. On the screen you again you see the Ark of the Covenant being displayed and there on the Ark of the Covenant, you will see on top of the Ark of the Covenant, there is the mercy seat, but you will also see two cherubim. The cherubim, uh, the cherubim have their face facing one another, but they also have their face facing downward on the mercy seat because that is the way God uh, um, instructed Moses to create it. When we look in the book of Exodus chapter 25 verse 18 to 22, I read in the Amplified Version, it says you shall make two cherubim, that is winged angelic figures of solid hammered gold at the two ends of the mercy seat. So you have uh, a, cherub, a cherub here and a cherub here, you know, but they are wedged to the mercy seat, all right? They are wedged together to the mercy seat, all right? And therefore, they are linked together to the mercy seat, and that is symbolic. So here, the Bible says, make one cherub at each end, making the cherubim, that is two of them, of one piece with the mercy seat at its two ends. So you have the mercy seat now as a flat surface, and two ends of the mercy seat, you have one cherub here, and you have one cherub here. So the cherubim are of the same material, hammered gold, as the mercy seat. Hmm. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Now, verse 20 says, The cherubim shall have their wings spread upward, covering the mercy seat, with their wings and uh, where their wings and facing each other. They have the mercy seat, the mercy seat is covered by their wings and they're facing each other. The faces of the cherubim are to be looking downward towards the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat now on top of the Ark of the Covenant and in the Ark now you shall put the testimony which I will give you. Verse 22 says, There I will meet with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim which are on the Ark of the Testimony. I will speak intimately with you regarding every commandment that I will give you for the Israelite. Praise God forevermore. Let me unpack this scripture for you. Praise God. You see here, what we see here is this. That God shows up in a particular place with the old covenant believers. He shows up in the Ark of the Covenant. Above the Ark of the Covenant rather. He shows up above the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is placed in the Holy of Holies, in the Tabernacle. Alright, you remember I spoke about the, the Tabernacle, I spoke about the Outer Court, the Inner Court, and the, uh, the Outer Court, the Holy Place and the Most Holy Place or the Outer Court, 
the holy place and the holy of holies. In the, in the holy of holies, that is where the Ark of the Covenant is. In the Ark of the Covenant, you have the testimony, which is the laws of God, the laws of Moses. You have the, in the in Aaron rod, Aaron's staff that bought it, and you have the man, a pot of manna, which we're going to cover in the future. But on top of this Ark, you have the mercy seat, and the mercy seat now is wedged or is joined together at, at its edges by one cherub on one hand and one cherub on the other. But a symbolic act that we see is that the cherubim face downward or look downward on the mercy seat. The mercy seat, remember, is the person of the Lord Jesus. But the cherubim are looking downward on the mercy seat. Why? Why are the faces of the cherubim looking downward on the mercy seat? Well, remember what I always say? there is the law of first mention the law of first mention is the law that says when you see a word mentioned in the bible for the first time try and go back and check the context behind the word that was mentioned the first time the word cherubim was mentioned in the bible was in the book of genesis genesis chapter 3 verse 23 to 24 the bible says when the lord god sent adam and eve out of the garden of eden because they have rebelled against him because they have performed uh, treason against the Lord God Almighty because they have done what God said they should not do. The Bible said God drove them out of the garden of delight or the garden of Eden. It's, it's strange though that God placed them in the garden of delight but when they did what God said they shouldn't do, God had to send them out of the garden of delight. How could I have the garden of delight in my poor view? How could I have the garden of uh, a place where pleasure is and I get derailed by a talking serpent? That's really what happened to Adam. Adam got, Adam, Adam well, Eve rather, Eve got deceived, right, by a talking serpent. And Eve gave the, the, the fruit now that God said they should not eat to Adam. And the Bible recorded that Adam took it from his wife and ate it. Adam never questioned the authority of God. Adam never questioned the wife and said, but God said we should not eat of this. Adam took it. That's why the Bible said Adam transgressed, but Eve was deceived. Alright, so now when God, when that happened, God had to drive them by an act of grace out of the garden of delight. Why? Genesis chapter 3 verse 23 to 24 says the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken so he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life why did God do that the Bible described that God said so that man now will not take it out his hand and take of the tree of life and live forever. God doesn't want us to live in the fallen state forever. You know, if Adam had reached out his hand and taken of the tree of life without this cherubim covering the place and he has taken of that fruit and taken it, you know, we will not, when somebody has cancer today, they will never be able to die. They will be in that pain and, and, just, and just live forever in that, in that cancerous state. You know, at times when somebody dies, actually, is is uh, if somebody is in, in the is in the Lord, of course, and they die, it's not it's not a loss because they're going back to the Father, right? They're going back to a place that's more beautiful than where we are right now. But imagine if somebody has uh, a sickness in their body, or somebody is going through depression or is going through anxiety, and they never ever can ever ever get out of that state, either by death or whichever means. 
that is that's terrible so in order for that not to happen god had to do what chase adam out so that he would not reach out his hand and take out of the the, the fruit of the tree in the garden all right and when god did that god had to place this cherubim at the entrance of the garden and they had what they call a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life so what was the function of the cherubim in the book of genesis it was to guard the way to the tree of life it was to guard the way to the tree of life so cherubim in this instance uh, uh, the cherubim here are the custodians guarding the way to life the way to eternal life praise god now when we fast forward now to the book of exodus when god gave them this command to be the ark of the covenant god placed two cherubim again to guard where the place where the glory of god shows up remember i said god shows up above the mercy seat between the cherubim and how does god show up god shows up usually in the form of a glory the visible glory that is showing up like a cloud upon the, uh, the the mercy seat the bible says in the book of numbers chapter 7 verse 89 how god shows up to moses god says now when moses went into the tent of meeting that is the tabernacle to speak with the lord he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that's the gold cover that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim and they spoke by special revelation to him so here we see that god speaks to moses by special revelation from him from between the cherubim and on top of the mercy seat but god's visible sign shows up in the form of the glory on the form of a cloud that shows the glory of god god often speaks to these people from within that glory god speaks to them god makes a, a, a conversation with them now remember that under the old covenant an ordinary human being, an ordinary person who is not, who is not, who is not even the high priest, cannot go into the holy of holies. The holy of holies is only for the high priest one day in the whole year, and God speaks to Moses all of the time from within the tabernacle. So that shows us that the, the, the God has made this the holy of holies or the place between the cherubim a special place where He shows up. Now remember, just for the record, God cannot be bound by the ark of the covenant god cannot be bound by a building god does not live in a building god does not live in a building god is everywhere but in the in the new covenant we know that god lives inside the believer so we are not going to be looking for god in a particular building god already lives inside of us praise god praise god we don't serve a god that is carried about like like buddha we don't carry we don't serve a god that's carried about like some of this idolatrous stuff no we serve a god who is a living god who lives in us and is also seated in heaven the bible is also to understand that the heavens belong to god but the earth he has given to the sons of men the bible said the heaven and the heavens of heaven belong to god but the earth is the first tool of god so god is so mighty so big but he also dwells in our spirit so every single one of us who is born again actually has the spirit of god living inside of us praise god so now we see the cherubim are custodians of the glory of God in Genesis chapter chapter 3 that we read earlier the, the cherubim they, they serve as the custodians of the way to the tree of life okay but in, in Exodus we see the cherubim now as the custodian of the glory of God they they are the they are the the figures 
that protect that space where God shows up. Alright, remember again, God is not in the building. This is just an, this is just a type and shadow, a, a type of um, worship experience that God has set in place that is also pointing to Jesus who is going to come. Our, the, the desire of God has always been to have himself living inside human people. That's why he says, as sure as I live, the, 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 the earth will be filled with the glory of God. The earth will be filled with the glory of God. It's not talking about the glory of God that is resplendent in, in, in the sun and the moon and in trees that we see, beautiful things that we see in nature, but it's talking about human beings like you and I carrying the presence of God as the glory of God. You are the glory of God. You are the glory of God. If you're a child of God, you are the glory of God. The glory of God rests upon you. The glory of God lives inside of you. Praise God forevermore. So the cherubim are attached to the mercy seat. Therefore, you can say the cherubims, the cherubim are agents of mercy because their eyes look down towards the mercy seat. So now when we go to Genesis chapter 3, where we see the agent, uh, the cherubim serving as the agent that protect the way to the tree of life with the flaming sword that does not allow that will not allow anybody to come in there that could be a scary thing you know that you could be scared of but in this case the cherubim now are looking towards mercy they are saying mercy is available praise god mercy is available if there was no mercy before but mercy is available so it is symbolic because when the high priest now comes to the place of worship the high priest must remember i am coming to a god of mercy the throne room of god is a throne room of mercy that's why the bible says we can come boldly to the throne room of grace and receive mercy we receive mercy in time of need. So in the throne of grace, this mercy is found. Yes, in the throne of grace, mercy is found. If you are looking for God or you have run away from God, God is saying to me to tell you in the midst of your transition, remember that mercy is available. My mercy is available to you if you can just reach out your hands and take it. Praise God forevermore. God is indicating to us here, based on the symbolism that we see here now, that God is a holy God who is full of mercy and is full of compassion. God is a holy God full of mercy and compassion. In Psalm 145 verse, verses 8 to 9, Psalm 145 verses 8 to 9 in the Passion Translation, the Bible reads, You are kind and tender-hearted to those who don't deserve it. That is mercy. That's mercy. You are kind and tender-hearted to those who don't deserve it. And you are very patient with people who fail you. My God, do you understand that? God is very patient with people that fail him. Have you failed God recently? Have you done things you ought not to do? God says here, I am very patient with you. Just come back home. Come back home. My mercy is available to you. Praise God forevermore. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its bank with kindness. I don't know whether you can see the imagery here. The love of God that he has for you is like a flooding river. A river that overflows its bank with kindness. Just imagine you go to find a river near your house. Go stand beside the bank of the river and just imagine that river overflowing its bank. But instead of fear coming upon you, that river is overflowing with kindness. Kindness. That's why the Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, I believe, it says that the love of God cascades over us. And the picture that God gave me there was... We're standing under a waterfall of the love of God. You cannot stand under waterfall, under a waterfall and not get drenched. 
the love of God is like a waterfall that drenches us from the crown of our heads to the soles of our feet. Praise God forevermore. So verse 9 says, God, everyone sees your goodness for your tender love is blended into everything you do. Everything that God does is motivated by love because God himself is love. Praise God. What is it you're looking for? I present you the love of God. What is it that you find? I present to you the love of God. What is it that you believe God for? I present to you the love of God. You know, the love of God for you, for me, is the greatest thing that the world needs. You see, if you can understand how much God loves you, if you can understand how much God wants you to come and play with him, if you can understand how much God cares for you so much, it will take away lack, poverty, it will take away sense of worthlessness, it will take away anxiety and depression. But you must embrace the love that God has for you. Praise God forevermore. The cherubim are custodians of the to protect the mercy of God. To let people know that mercy is available. No longer are we coming to a throne of judgment. No longer are we meant to be looking at the, at the cherubim with flaming sword protecting the entrance to the, sea, to the place of life. Because now we have that life. We have eternal life now. Oh my God, we have eternal life now. We don't need cherubim to protect the way to the tree of life. Because now we have the tree of life living inside of us. We have life himself living inside of us. The Zohe life of God lives inside you. Eternal life is also Zohe life. Zohe life means the life of God himself. Zohe life means the life that God has himself. It means the quality of life that God possesses. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that right there in your spirit, <laughs> the spirit of God is in you, which means the life of God is in you, which means that you possess in your spirit the quality of life that God Almighty himself has. Praise God forevermore. Now, that will take me to the next conversation. If you do possess the quality of life that God has in your spirit, if you do possess the life of God himself in your spirit, which means that you are as righteous and holy as God is. Now, that is not a heresy. Let me show you. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24, please go there. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24, the Bible here says, and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life. The Bible says you can only be transformed in your life as you embrace, change your reality to the reality that God presents based on the sacrifice of Jesus. The Bible says as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life. Always see yourself the way God sees you. That's your new life. The Bible says when you embrace that way of thinking as your new life and you get begin to live in union with Jesus, then that is when transformation comes. Verse, verse 24 still says, the reason why you can do this is because of this. For God has recreated you all over again. Say with me, God has recreated me all over again. Say with me like you mean it. God has recreated me all over again. How did he recreate you? The Bible says in his perfect righteousness, not in your righteousness, not in what you know how to do, in his perfect righteousness. That is what you have been recreated. He has recreated you in his perfect righteousness and you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. When What, what I want you to see here are two words. The first set of words is is perfect righteousness. The second set of words is true holiness. The Bible here says that your new nature, because of Jesus, your new nature, because of Jesus, is truly holy, 
and truly righteous. And brothers and sisters, this is no heresy. God sees you as holy and as righteous as himself. Why? Because he gave you his own righteousness and he gave you his own holiness. God gave you his own spirit and therefore he gave you eternal life. Eternal life is the life that God possesses by himself and that is the life that you have now in your spirit. So even though the cherubim in Genesis protected the way to the tree of life with the flaming sword, the flaming sword no, is no, no, no longer stays there now. Why? Because God has moved the tree of life out of the garden and is now in your spirit. Oh my God, I thank you Jesus for what you have done for us. Thank you that now we, we are possessors, we are possessors of the eternal life of God. We are possessors of the life that God himself shares. Praise God forevermore. Father, we just want to thank you, O Lord, that you just own, you, you know, you not only took us from the miracle, from, from, from doldrums, from the life of uselessness, but you elevated us. You placed us in the same realm as your son. You placed us in the same level in, in terms of nature as your son. You gave us the nature of Jesus as that's what we possess. That is what the Bible says. The Bible here says you have a true nature that is truly righteous and truly holy because that is the nature of God himself. If you claim that you're not holy, if you claim that you're not righteous, then I'm sorry you're not born again. But if you agree that you're born again, you have to accept this reality as a truth. This reality has nothing to do with the way you think, has nothing to do with the way you feel. This reality is what God says. And the Bible says in Amos 3 verse 3, Amos 3 verse 3 says, Can two walk together? It said they be agreed. God says the only way for you to walk together with him is if you agree with his view about you. Praise God forevermore. So when we think about the cherubim now, we should think about the fact that we are now truly righteous and truly holy and that we are, we are God's glory on the earth. And this is what God himself says. You see, mercy from God, desire to pardon. And the pardon only happened because Christ died in our place. The holiness of God is protected by the cherubim at the two ends of the mercy seat. So you have mercy here, you have holiness here, and you have the glory of God on top. So God now, we can see the God's throne now, is a throne of mercy, is a throne of holiness, is a throne of the glory of God, and it's a throne of righteousness. And every one of these things that I've mentioned is what you now possess as a believer. You today are the glory of God. You today, you have been made righteous in Christ. You today, you are holy as Jesus is. You today have received or have been a benefactor of the mercies of God. So when you look at the cherubim and the mercies together, we see a picture of what Christ has done for us. Praise God forevermore. Praise God forevermore. The cherubim, brothers and sisters, no longer debar man's approach to life as we see in the book of Genesis. No. But the, today they brood with outstretched wings over the place of mercy, where life and blessings flow. No longer are they connected to the flaming sword, but their faces now intently turn towards the place of grace. They turn to the place where blood is on the mercy seat. The faces of the cherubim look down on the mercy seat and they see Jesus. Praise God. And you know what Jesus Christ thinks about you? Jesus Christ thinks about you all the time. And the Bible says he prays for you. Praise God. The Lord God himself, who is the God of the old covenant, the God of the new covenant, the God who the old covenant saints called the God that dwells within the cherubim, 
is no none other than Yahweh himself. The glory of God shows up on top of the Ark of the Covenant, but when the glory of God shows up, he shows up and looks at the mercy seat. Jesus, Jesus is only, through only Jesus that God was able to talk to Moses, even in his, in his state where he was, because Moses was not born again. But when God shows up to Moses in between the mercy, in between the cherubim and on top of the mercy seat, God is God remembers that these are types and shadow of my son Jesus Christ, who is to come and redeem the world. And God is able to fellowship with these people because God is looking forward to the time when Jesus Christ was gonna come and pay the price for the sins of the whole world. Praise God forevermore. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. 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 Your new nature is 100% holy and righteous, just like God is. When the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. That's exactly what he's talking about. You know, 1 John 4, verse 17 says, By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us. Love has been brought to its full expression in us. Why? So that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment. Because... All that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. The Bible here says, because we are living in God, because we are united together with Jesus, because we are alive in Jesus, God's love has already been brought to its full expression. Jesus Christ is the expression of the love of God. It is the, the, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ that showcases to the world the love that God has for us. That love now, because we are alive in him, because we are united together with Jesus, that love is now being brought to its full expression. Love, which is an embodiment of Jesus, is expressed fully in us, not just upon us, in us. So we have the love of God inside of us. Why is that? When we have this full expression of the love of God in us, we can face the day of judgment fearlessly, which means a reminder an awareness of the love that God has for us will make us to face the day of judgment without any fear of judgment. Why is that? Because as Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Question for you. How is Jesus right now today? The Bible says he is seated at the right hand of God full of authority. That's the way God sees you. How is Jesus today? The Bible says Jesus Christ is the righteous one. That is the way God sees you now. How is Jesus Christ today? The Bible says Jesus Christ ever lives to pray for us. That is what he's doing for you. So Christ in heaven is praying for you. The Holy Spirit on the earth is praying in you. Now you got Holy Spirit on, on, on the earth. You got Jesus Christ in heaven. And both of them are praying for you. So as a believer, you are never helpless. Because heaven is praying for you. Earth is also praying for you. Praise God forevermore. For the true believer... Who has been filled or understood the love of God for him or her? The day of judgment is not to be feared at all, but is to be looked forward to. Why? Because perfect love of God will have made us completely like Jesus by the time Christ shows up. You know, we are like him already in our spirits, but as we go through our day-to-day -day life and we remember that we have been so much loved by God, we don't have to be afraid of the day of judgment. Love from God provides us with no reason to fear the future or to fear the punishment at all from God. We are not like Jesus was. Pay attention to that. We are not like Jesus was. No. 
but because of grace we are like he is now how is he now pure and holy seated in heaven and glorified God, God by grace and by our putting our faith in the death of Jesus for us transfers his own righteousness to us look at what Romans 8.30 says Romans 8.30 says haven't determined our destiny ahead of time <laughs> that blessed me so much God determined our destiny before we showed up God determined our destiny before we showed up now let, let me not tell you what he did God determined our destiny where what he wanted us to be he determined it way before time and what was our destiny Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says I know the thought that I have towards you the thought of peace not of evil to give you a future and an expected end so we know the thought that God has towards us God determined our perfect wonderful destiny before we showed up that is why you're not an apostate you're not a mistake at all God determined what you are going to be before you show up before you showed up now let me not tell you what he did he that called us to himself he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. I don't know whether you get that. God determined your destiny beforehand. He called you to himself. He now gave you his righteousness. As he called you, he gave you his righteousness. Now, and those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. Now, when you look at this text, it's on the screen. When you look at this text, you will see that what God did here is in past tense. He determined beforehand what we are going to be. He called us, called us past tense, transferred to us his righteousness, and then he co-glorified us all in the past. All in the past. So today, what you must take away is this happened the very day you became born again. God called you. God made you righteous. Right? And God glorified you with Jesus. The word glorification with Jesus means you have authority. You have authority like Jesus on the earth to do what Jesus would do. You are the hands and the arms and the legs of Jesus. Everywhere you go, you are meant to demonstrate Jesus. Let me show you another thing with the co-glorification. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says, He raised us up with Christ. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. And we ascended with him into the glorious perfection, glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated we are now co-seated as one with Jesus, which means at the right hand of God where Jesus Christ is right now. In the spirit, you are seated together with Jesus right there. But what is the purpose of being seated with Jesus? The Bible here says, we have authority of the heavenly realm. You know what this means? It means that you can make commands and say, in the name of Jesus, I command you get out of that place. Why? Because you have the authority of Jesus. What this means is that you can take authority over any environment where you are, just like Jesus would, because you are seated together with Jesus. In the heavenly realms you are sitting together with him you know at times when i face challenges i don't know what to do i share this in during midweek service i said i just go to the throne room there's a throne room revelation shown in revelation chapter 4 i go in there and i see myself in the throne room i walk up to the throne room and i find myself sitting beside jesus i look back towards the earth i see the earth very very small and all the problems that i have all the things that i need to face looking very very small and from that 
vantage position where I'm now seated together with Jesus, I begin to issue commands. I begin to say, I command you go in the name of Jesus. I decree this is going to happen in the name of Jesus. I begin to make my utterance because I'm calling my, my I'm declaring victory from the place of victory. I'm saying, no, I don't accept that. No, I don't receive that. No, I reject that. That is what you can do because you have been given the same authority. Praise God forevermore. Praise God forevermore. So Jesus Christ is the glory of God. The glory that shows up as I begin to round up. The glory that shows up on top of the mercy seat and in between the cherubim is no other person than Jesus Christ. Even though we see the glory of God there coming through and God speaking through the glory, it is through Jesus that God speaks. Jesus Christ is the language that God speaks. If God has any language, that language has to be Jesus. You know, right now I'm speaking English to you. In some other people, they, they speak Spanish. Some other people speak Portuguese. Some other people speak, you know, French language. But God speaks Jesus. <laughs> God speaks Jesus. And Jesus is the truth. The devil speaks lies. Jesus Christ said that when the devil speaks, every word that comes out of his mouth is full of lies. Is life personified. But Jesus is what? Truth personified. Praise God forevermore. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, The Son, Jesus, is a dazzling radiance of God's splendor. Is a dazzling radiance of God's splendor. The exact expression of God's true nature is mirror image. Bible is saying to you, if you want to know who God is, look at the life of Jesus. Look at how he behaved while he was here. Look at how he re related to people while he was here. If you have believed that God is a hard God, or is a God who puts sickness on people, or is a God who wants to whip you until you bleed, you have believed a lie. That is not the Jesus. That is not the God that Jesus modeled when he was here. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, Jesus Christ is the exact expression of God's true nature. You want to know the true nature of God? Just go back and read the Gospels. Look at the life of Jesus. Look at how he lived his life. That is God flesh. Praise God. The Bible says Christ is the mirror image of God. In the Amplified Version, the same, the same um, Hebrews 1.3 reads this way, the sun is the radiance, the radiance and the only expression of the glory of our awesome God. Reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light be the brilliant light of the divine. The Bible is talking about Christ reflects the Shekinah glory of God. So when God shows up to Moses, in between the cherubim and on top of the mercy seat, it comes up in what they call the Shekinah glory. The, the brightness, the light, the bright light of God. The Bible is saying Jesus Christ is the one who reflects that light. That's exactly what I said earlier. Jesus Christ is the glory of God. Jesus Christ is the one that reflects the glory of God on top of that mercy seat in between the two cherubim. And what does that have to do with you? Well, I'm going, over the next 5-10 minutes, I'm going to bring this to a close as I relate this glory of God now to you. So that when you think about the cherubim, you think about glory, righteousness, holiness, and mercy. Praise God. Alright, let's go. So, the Shekinah, the word Shekinah really, is used to describe the visible presence of God. In such things as the burning bush, when Moses encountered God. The cloud when God was overseen, um, when God showed up to Jesus, for example, when he announced, I glorify you on earth, I will still glorify you again. When, when you have um, the outstretched wings of this, this, this um, 
uh, cherubim, when God shows up within the outstretched wings of the cherubim, the glory that shows up there is the Shekinah glory. The, and, and essentially, when you look at the pillar of fire as well, it's a, it's a type, pillar of fire that um, followed the children of Israel when they were in the, in the wilderness, is also a type of the Shekinah glory of God. Alright, so the presence of God rested in between the cherubim over the mercy seat, Shekinah glory. Shekinah in the burning bush, Shekinah in the in the cloud that showed up to Jesus on when when he was being baptized. You know, uh, when he was in the transfiguration, mountain of transfiguration, rather. Sorry. So so we see this Shekinah as the glory of God. But the Bible says in Hebrews one three, it's trying to declare for us here that says Jesus Christ is the, actually the reflection of that Shekinah. So when you see the burning bush with Moses, it was Jesus who. Who shows the effulgence of the Father, and then and they spoke to, to Moses. So you see, everywhere you go, you see Jesus. Jesus Christ is the language that God speaks. The Bible says in Hebrews nine five that the cherubim are called angels of splendor, angels of splendor. But when you go back to Hebrews chapter one verse three in the Passion translation, he says Jesus Christ is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. So Jesus Christ is the dazzling radiance of the splendor of God. But the cherubim, they are cherubim, they are called angels of splendor. So you can see the relationship here. Angels that display splendor, Christ is the radiance of that splendor. So ultimately what we take away from here is that Christ is the glory of God. And therefore wherever we see the Shekinah glory, we see the presence of God. We see the presence of Jesus. Now when the priests are now carrying this Ark of the Covenant, with all this symbolism that we've mentioned, what picture will come to your mind? They are essentially carrying the glory of God. Now, when you carry the glory of God, there is bound to be miracles living in your life. You know, when God shows up in the burning bush, Shekinah glory, the, burning, the bush was burning but was not consumed, supernatural encounter begins to happen. When you carry a consciousness that you are the glory of God, supernatural encounters will begin to happen in your life you begin to reign in this life by christ jesus when you carry a consciousness that you are righteous and holy and that god's mercies are towards you all of the time you begin to walk in the supernatural the glory of god equates the presence of god himself and it is in jesus that we see the full manifestation of the majesty of god praise god Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says, For Jesus is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. The complete fullness of deity lives in Jesus, which means the, the Christ is the embodiment of the fullness of the deity while he was here. Now, let me show you something in Colossians chapter 1 verse 19. The Bible says, For God is satisfied that all of his fullness will dwell in Jesus. All that God is, all that God was, all that God will be, is indwell in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that have to do with you? Let me show you something. The Bible says, and our completeness is found in him. Our completeness is found in him. So if Christ is the fullness of God and our completeness is now found in Christ, it means you are the fullness of God. It means God lives fully in you. Now, take a moment to ponder that. If God lives fully in you as a child of how will that change your life? How would that change the way you minister? How would that change the way you face life? How would that change the way you face situations in life? Praise God forevermore. You know, when you carry a consciousness that we're the fullness of God, 
that were the fullness of Jehovah himself that we carry in this our body, the fullness of the Godhead. We carry in this our body, the God who parted the Red Sea, the God who raised Lazarus from the dead. When we carry this consciousness that we carry this embodiment of this fullness of God in us, that when we carry this consciousness, we are going to be seeing a lot more results in our lives than we see. We do not need to disqualify ourselves. And that's why all the message we teach about here is talking about see yourself the way God sees you. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 says, Yet look at you now. Look at you now. Everything is new. Praise God. Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to Him through the sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been united to Christ. When we talk about united to Christ, we're not talking about God sitting in heaven and we're here on the earth as if there's a chasm between us. No, when we talk about being united to Christ, we're talking about we are intertwined one to the other. We are joined together. We're joined together. We're joined together. We're engrafted together. Christ lives inside of you. You are joined together with Jesus and that's all that God sees. That's all that God sees. Therefore, what God says you can do, you can do. Why? Because you are in Jesus. What God says you can achieve, you can achieve. Why? Because you are in Jesus. The very first step is to believe what the word says. You cannot achieve beyond your belief system. And some people want to feel good before they believe. That's not the way to believe. Believing essentially is saying, I may not understand it, but I take what God has said and I believe it. And I'm going to pattern and walk, live my life according to what God has said. Praise God forevermore. As we begin to round up, I got a couple of scripture. I'm going to unpack it and then we round up. Just give me two more minutes and then we'll be done. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 17. The Bible says, Yes, Father God lavished upon him radiant glory and honor when his distinct voice spoke out of the realm of majestic glory, endorsing him with these words. This is my cherished son, marked by my love. All my delight is found in him. When you look at this scripture, the Bible here says, say, God lavished physical manifestation, God lavished now upon Jesus, glory, light, effulgence, and honor. When his voice spoke out of the realm of majestic glory, endorsing him with his words. So God lavished glory on Jesus. When God said these words, this is my cherished son, marked by my love. All my delight is found in him. You know, you can take this and say, when God wants to endorse you and put glory upon your life, you could say, God will have said to you, you are my cherished, cherished child. You are marked by my love. All my delight is found in you. That is the word that God is saying to you. Every time the enemy tries to pull you down, that's what you should remember. Say this affirmation with me, please. Say, I am God's beloved child. I am cherished by him. I am marked by his love. God is delighted in me. You know, over the next seven days, over the next seven days, when you wake up and you sleep, just say, Father, I thank you that you are delighted in me. You know, if you ponder on this scripture over and over and over again, that God delights in you, you know, nobody can put condemnation in your life. No, you know, you can never live your life in guilt when you know that the maker of heaven and earth delights in you. In fact, when you ponder the scripture, you don't need any affirmation from anybody else. You don't need to run around celebrity. You don't need to try to, to feel good because somebody has money on this earth and they're calling your name. You don't need to feel good because you know so, so, and so, and so, and so. Why? 
the God of the universes delights in you. God delights in you. God delights in you. God sent me to tell you here, you have lived your life under the voice of the enemy so much so you forgot who you are. God has asked me to tell you, I delight in you. In your good days, in your not so good days, I delight in you. How is this possible that God can delight in us? Where it was answered to prayers. Jesus Christ, when he was about to leave, in John chapter 17, verse 10, he says, you know, John chapter 17, verse 10, first I will read, and then verse 22. Verse 10 says here, For all who belong to me now belong to you. Jesus Christ is saying to God, all who all belong to me now belong to you. And all who belong to you now belong to me as well. And my glory is revealed, is revealed through their surrendered lives. Sur- surrendered lives. Jesus Christ is saying, if those that belong to God belong to him, and those that, be- that belong to him belong to God. Do you belong to Jesus? Then you belong to God. You belong to God. And because you belong to God, you bring God glory already. The fact that you gave your life to Jesus, from that starting point, you are the glory of God. Praise God. Now, let's go to verse 22. Verse 22 says, For the very glory you have given to me, I have given them, so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You see now here that when God conferred the glory upon Jesus by saying, over Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. All right, when God said that, when God de- declared that glory upon Jesus by speaking those words out, out of his mouth from the cloud, Jesus Christ is now passed this same glory to you. He said, The glory you have given to me, I have given to them. Jesus Christ passed the glory that God the Father con- conveyed on him, he passed them to you, he passed that glory to you. Now you can boldly say, you are the glory of God. You can say, I am the glory of Jesus. I am the glory of God the Father on the earth. Now, when you carry a consciousness of being the glory of God, do you know what will happen? Any sense of unworthiness, any sense of worthlessness, any sense of measuring yourself to another person will just drop off. But you need to carry this consciousness. It's important to note that the key to unity among us as believers is experiencing this glory of God that Jesus Christ has imparted to us. But how do we experience the glory of God? It starts by believing the truth that we are the glory of God, that we are united together with Jesus, that we share his glory, that we are not another. You know, there's a, there's a scripture here in, um, I think for, Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I will not share with another nor my praise to carve idols. But you know, this scripture here is not talking about the believer. This scripture is talking about idols. God shares his glory with us. Why? Because we are not another. You are not another. You are God's child. He shares his glory with you. Obviously, not in the essence that you are like God sitting on the throne. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is that God shared his glory with you in Jesus. Because you are united together with Jesus, God has shared his glory with you. You have been made one with the triune God through the blood of Jesus. Don't let your eyes leave that truth. Say with me, say with me again, I am God's cherished child. I am marked by his love. God is delighted in me. Let's say that again. I am God's cherished child. I am marked by his love. God is delighted with me. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 to 14 says, We always have to thank God for you. And I thank God for you. 
brothers and sisters, for you are dearly loved by God. You are dearly loved by God. No matter what you have been told, I'm here to tell you that you are dearly loved by God. God loves you the same way he loves Jesus. Praise God. God loves you the same way he loves Jesus. You are dearly loved by God. How do, did we know that? This Bible says, he proved it by choosing you from the very beginning for salvation. God chose you before you were born to be saved. God, God saved you before you got saved. In Christ, Christ paid for the sins of the whole world before you were born. God chose you for salvation before you were born. That is why we have to thank God for that because that is a demonstration of love. God knew what you were going to go into, what mess you will find yourself in, but he saved you first before you even knew that you needed to be saved. That is how he proved his love for you. God paid the price for your salvation before you showed up. The Bible says he proved it by choosing you for salvation through the Spirit who set you apart for holiness. So you are set apart now to, by, by God to be set apart for holiness. And through your belief in the truth, the moment you believed in the truth of the gospel, God declared that you are saved. Now look at verse 14. To this end, because of this game, or no, because of this uh, this this vision that God has because of this plan that God has he unpicked you for salvation through the gospel so that you will have glory of our Lord Jesus Christ again this scripture is saying God chose us for salvation for one reason so that we can have the glory of our Lord Jesus for me that is mind blowing when I think about it essentially God is saying to you brothers and sisters you have the same glory that Jesus Christ has that is the glory that God has given to you you see the word have the glory of Jesus Christ have the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ the word have the word have here is as the same meaning as to share in or to possess it's actually from the Greek word peripoesis peripoesis and it means an encompassing a surrounding and encycling when you look at that what he's saying here God unpicked you for salvation to the gospel so that you can be encircled you can be surrounded by the glory of Jesus essentially believers are brought within the perimeter of the glory of God through Jesus Christ there's nothing in this text that suggests a future event no it's something that is a present enjoyment and participation today in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ these verses, these two verses, verses 13 and 14, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, is the most beautiful scripture. These verses contain the most wonderful truths of the New Testament. Let me explain to you again. I want you to read it at your time, read it and ponder it over and over and over and realize that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were involved and continues to be involved in your salvation. They give you their eternal love. They draw, draw you to themselves by the work of the Holy Spirit. They set you apart in sanctification. They set you apart for holiness. They put the faith of Jesus Christ in you. And guess what? They wanted you to share in the glory of God. So the purpose of this is in verse 14. The purpose of your salvation is more than being set away from the guilt of sin. Brothers and sisters, when we focus on being just set free from the guilt of sin, we miss a bigger portion. The purpose of our being saved is so that we will share in and possess the glory of Jesus Christ. My God, you share in and possess the glory of God. Say with me boldly, I am the glory of Jesus Christ. Say with me again, I am the glory 
of Jesus Christ. Say it like you mean it. I am the glory of Jesus Christ. The purpose of your salvation is not just to set you away from the guilt of sin. That's as part of it. But the primary purpose is God wants you to share in his glory. Even though God will not share his glory with another, we are not another. He has shared his glory with us. If in doubt, go back again and read John chapter 17, verse 10, and John chapter 17, verse 22. As you round up, you are righteous now, you are holy now, because of Jesus. And God has given you his glory. So as you look back at the cherubim, and you remember that the glory of God comes in between the cherubim and on top of the mercy seat, you are remembered that God now has shared his glory with you. You are the glory of God. You are holy as God is. You are righteous as God is. And the mercies of God are always open to you. Praise God forevermore. As you step into the Jordan, I want you to remember these unique attributes that you possess because those things will supercharge your life so that you can live the life that God has in store for you. The glory of God is the fear of God. As you carry the consciousness that you are the glory of God, you know what it also means? It means you will bring God's perspective to every situation. You will do what God will do in every situation. You will bring succor to those who are in pain. You will help those who are in need. You will display the God-like character in every way that you go because now you are a carrier of Jesus. Remember the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 10 verse 38 that our God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all those who are oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. So Jesus Christ was, went about doing what? Doing good. So if you are the carrier of the glory of God, or you are the glory of God, or the glory of Jesus, you are meant to go about doing good. Praise God forevermore. Let us pray. Almighty God, tonight and today we have prayed about your power and your grace at work in the lives of your people. I pray, Almighty God, that you have shared with us today that you have given us your glory, that we are the glory of Jesus that we are righteous and holy as Jesus Christ is, that your mercies are always open to us. Help us to take this reality, this truth, O oh Lord, and do the work that Jesus did, to carry the presence of God everywhere that we go, to carry the perception of God, the perspective of God to everywhere that we go, that we look at life only from the viewpoint of God, not from the viewpoint of the enemy. Lord, I pray for someone today, O oh Lord, who has been struggling, Almighty God, in their work. I pray, Almighty God, that they will go to work tomorrow, Monday, Almighty God, and carry that consciousness of the God factor and use that to change the, their workplace in the name of Jesus. I pray for someone right now who has been suffering from debilitating sickness, that they will carry the consciousness right now that Christ cannot carry sickness and that realization, that thought process alone will set them free to receive their healing in the name of Jesus. I pray for someone today who has had issues in their marriages that right now they will remember as Christ is so are they in this world and that realization alone will help them to, to, to triumph in the situation where they have found themselves in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for a child right now who is struggling with pornography. Almighty God, that child will remember right now that, that Jesus Christ lives in his body and that child will rise up from that place of pornography and say, I can do better than that because I am God's representative on the earth in the name of Jesus. Father, I therefore decree your blessing upon your people. Thank you that even as they go this week, oh Lord, your blessing and your grace is always with them. Your mercies surround them. The cherubim the cherubim, angel, angels of splendor looking towards the mercy seat are at, 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 at available 
to support them, to help them as errands, to do er to run errands for them even this week in the name of Jesus. Thank you for doors that you have opened. Thank you for grace that is going to be manifested heavily in this week in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God, for your help. Lord, we give you praise and Lord, we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. All right. Thank you so much for joining the service. I just want to say you are blessed and highly favored. And please, if you felt led to give to the church, you will see the link on, on, the, on, the, on the screen. Uh, just follow the prompt and the Lord bless you as you do that. Until next time, remember, God bless you. God is with you. You are righteous. You are holy. You, are, you have the mercies of God working in your favor. And you are the glory of God. I'll speak to you another time. Thank you for staying with us. We hope you've been blessed as much as we have. You can watch the replays of today's service at 10 a.m. on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and podcast. You can go through our YouTube channel for more content. You can also subscribe to our podcast on www.thelighthouse.org/podcast. Our Sunday services commence every Sunday at 8 a.m. UK time. Our midweek service is at 6 p.m. every Wednesday. We look forward to you joining us. Until next time, please study and meditate on the word and may God bless you. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you Take a trophy to make you cry. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Ooh. Going through a storm, but I won't go down. I hear your voice carried in the rhythm of the wind to call me out. You would cross an ocean. I can see so clear what it's all about